Hello and welcome to Maybe We Shouldn't Meat. This is a podcast where we are going to talk about the effects that eating meat has on the environment. I'm your host Emma and today I'll be joined by Anya who is going to talk about the history of the diets in Ireland, Alison who will tell us all about the solutions that we should all be looking at, and Joseph who will be talking about what changes are being made internationally with relation to meat consumption. And I'm going to talk about the science aspects of meat consumption. Hi guys. Hey. Hiya. Okay, so Anya, why don't you start by telling us about the history of diets in Ireland? Okay, so as we all know, Ireland is a farming nation. We have a huge agricultural sector that our country relies on financially and culturally as well. Historically, the majority of that sector was tillage farming rather than livestock farming, which we see more of now. Before the famine, our main food source was actually potatoes. So much so that there have been claims that no other nation has survived solely on one single food source, only the Irish, which is pretty impressive if you ask me. It does seem kind of surreal that people live on only potatoes when you think about the variety of food we rely on now. Exactly. But the famine changed everything. People's, diet, people's attitudes towards food changed and there, were, there was a lot of talk about the nutritional value of food. This is the first time that words like nutrition and vitamins and minerals were used in relation to people's diets. This all seems pretty crazy to us, considering it's so normal now. Unfortunately, the fear-induced speculation about the potato-based diet actually meant that people's diets got worse, because the idea that the potato was lacking in nutrients was untrue. And I mean, the evidence was right there in the population. They survived on basically just potatoes, and if I hadn't been giving them what they needed, then the population would have died out. Wow, that's really interesting. So what other foods were brought into the Irish diet at this point? Well, what happened was Ireland went into a recession or an economic downturn. And so the poorer people had very little money and ended up relying on white bread and black tea. They would have traded more nutritional foods they had, like eggs from their hens, for less nutritional food that was now available to them, such as white bread, which was more filling, but less nutritional. This resulted in malnutrition in the poorer section of the population. So what you're telling me is that a poor economy and fear meant that ordinary people were worse off after the famine because they wouldn't eat potatoes? Exactly. Going back to medieval times, animals would have been kept as secondary product producers. So we're talking eggs, milk, and wool. These then would have been used to trade or to eat, and animals weren't typically killed for meat. Animals like cattle would have been killed out of necessity, usually due to a lack of feed during wintertime. This is partly because there was no way to preserve the meat over a long period of time. So most meat eaten would have been from smaller animals like rabbits. So that means that in regards to our diets, we've changed a lot of our habits since then. Yeah, archaeological evidence shows that meat was served on special occasions, such as religious feast days or in the context of castles when an alliance had been formed. Meat would have been eaten to celebrate the occasion, but for ordinary people, meat was a treat. That's so interesting because now we eat so much meat, but from what you're telling me, meat was not a main dietary source historically in Ireland. So now we're going to talk about the science behind meat consumption, so feel free to ask me any questions.
So I think it's important that I give a quick explanation of all the science behind the meat climate change connection. I know it sounds a bit weird, meat, climate change, but hear me out. As I've said, there's a connection between climate change and meat, specifically beef. Why is this? Because when beef is produced and prepared, methane is released. What is methane? It is one of the greenhouse gases. You know the ones related to the greenhouse effect? Quick throwback to junior search geography. Jeez, that was a while back. Can you remind us what that is? Yeah, the greenhouse effect is basically like a greenhouse. Get the name? So heat is trapped inside and our planet heats up, aka climate change or global warming. Methane is actually a particularly strong greenhouse gas and that's why our beef production is connected to climate change. I already know what people will be asking. Beef? Why beef? Is it only beef? Those are my exact questions. I'm talking about beef because of the sheer amount of greenhouse gases that are released in production. And it's not really just beef. Well, let's look at a few examples to get a better idea of why I'm focusing so much on cattle. You know carbon dioxide? Well, when you're producing, let's say, poultry like chicken, the carbon dioxide output for this is much less than beef. And the same can be said for foods such as beans. If you want to be really specific, beef emissions are eight times higher than poultry and 50 times higher than beans. Wow, that is a lot. Can we do anything about that though? Yes, while methane is a really strong greenhouse gas, it is also reversible, meaning doing something like changing our diets can really help the whole climate change situation. Well, that's definitely good news. And going back to the whole why meat conversation, I want to make you guys aware of something that I only learned recently. When people talk about climate change, a lot of time is focused on transport. But did you know that our livestock sector has a larger impact on climate change than transport actually does? No way. That seems crazy. Yeah, I know. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be working on improving in terms of tr transport, but altering something like our diets and our meat consumption can also make a really big change. Um, academics have already, stated, uh, already started a whole conversation about how exactly we can tackle this. If we take one example, when our, in an article, academics have said that a change in our diet is necessary in order to keep our global temperature increase under two degrees. But the question is, how do we go about a change like this? Like our dietary habits are quite personal and people aren't going to be particularly keen on being told on what they can and can't eat. But what if I told you that if you ate maybe just a little less meat, you can really reap in the benefits? Let's be fully honest. Most people are more likely to commit to a change if it's going to benefit them, especially if it's a direct uh, benefit to them. Well, how about if you were to lower the amount of meat you eat, you would actually be in better health. Eating less meat while keeping up with our exercise could mean a lower chance of getting cancer or heart disease. See, small enough change for some really good benefits. Those are really good benefits. I hadn't realized such a small change could impact so much on me personally. That's great to hear. If each of us just made a really small individual change to our meat eating habits, we could potentially make a massive impact in helping cl uh, combat climate change. Alison, can you talk to us a bit about the solutions that could be uh, implemented? Yes, as I already mentioned, meat production is an important problem that influences our climate, which leads to global warming due to the chemicals released into the atmosphere. After doing my research, I have concluded that we could solve this problem with the help of the world. You might ask yourself how and why. Well, 
it's an easy and simple process that will take a while, but like you said earlier, it's worth it. So where do we start? You might question yourself and think the solution is to just cut out meat altogether, but do you understand why you're doing this? I'd like to take the time and explain what I have found through my research. When you sit down and think about it, it starts with the farmers. If they reduce the amount of meat being produced, by reducing the size of their herds, there will be less of the greenhouse gases, like methane, like you said, being released into the atmosphere. Then by increasing the price of meat, there will be a decrease in consumer demand. Some academics argue that adding tax to meat would also help. And why is that? It increases the price of meat, which will make consumers think twice about buying it, making the meat-free options such as vegetables seem more desirable through pricing. It will also help to raise awareness to the public about how much meat we eat and promote meat-free meals. I wonder if the tax that is going towards supporting these farmers through transition period as well, that way everyone benefits. The public become more aware and healthy like we said earlier, while the farmers get supported at the same time everyone helps the planet. Yes, so with the help of the listeners, we can combat climate change and the effects of it with this type of transition to a more plant-based style of farming and by eating less meat. We just have to work together. That doesn't seem too difficult. It's all about teamwork. Joseph, how do these solutions compare to what's being done internationally? Solutions that Alison has come up with are actually very similar to the ones I found Denmark implemented. Uh, the climate change uh, climate change is a problem that affects every country around the world. And in Denmark, a tax was placed on the saturated fat contents of food between 2011 and 2012. This raised prices of some meat products by 15%. As Alison said before, this would make you really consider whether or not you would buy meat or whether or not it would be worth your while. That's encouraging to hear. What other solutions have countries come up with already? Well, the Chinese government noted their uh, growing population wealth. And so in 2016, they set up a new proposal uh, that they would reduce meat consumption by 50, 50%. In an article I actually came across, it said that an average Chinese person would consume up to 63 kilograms of meat per year. And then if no nothing was done, this figure would go up by 30 kilograms by 2030. The Chinese government had a good way of promoting the, this proposal. They took advantage of celebrity endorsement and used well-renowned public figures such as Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Cameron to promote this idea of le eating less meat. This was a good strategy as more people would be willing to listen if they see a famous person complying with this proposal. Perhaps it could work here in Ireland. That's a really interesting solution, which again relies on everyone working together. Yes, but most people do not realize how serious this problem actually is and how effective something like reducing meat consumption and production could be in slowing this problem down and ending it so that we can make this world a better place, not only for us, the people living now, but also the future generations to come. We have seen how countries such as China and Denmark have implemented ideas to try and reduce consumption of meat. So why can't we do it? Doesn't everyone want this world to be a better place? I think they do. They just don't know where to start. Hopefully the information from this podcast will help the people of Ireland to do their bit to combat climate change. 
by reducing their meat intake. Every little bit will make a big difference, even to your health. It is just a case of giving it a go. Together, we can make a big difference on a global level by making such a small change. It's actually quite inspiring. I really hope that you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. Thank you to Anya, Alison, and Joseph for joining me today to help me break down the advantages of reducing meat consumption in Ireland. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I know I did. Thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, Maybe We Shouldn't Meet, where you'll find information about the team, the facts mentioned today, and our sources. And that's it from us. Thank you for listening.